Welcome to the Final Score Network and the Final Score Podcast, presented by Team Anders Realtors. I'm Andy. He's former NCAA student athlete and co-host. Brian Gam, two-hand monster flush off the inbound. Brian Gam slam jam. Subscribe to us on Podbean, the Apple Podcast Store, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at the Final Score Thirty Five and TikTok at AG Spartan Fan 35. Oh, and one more note before we get started. I'd like to apologize to anyone I've not offended yet. Please be patient. I'll get to you shortly. Welcome into TFS 137. Week one is upon us, folks. It's finally here. Um, we got a little appetizer this past weekend. It was a small one, but, you know, it was something. Uh, we got some games in there, but um, this is the real deal now. Week one. Um, the whole shebang, full slate Thursday to Monday. Um, let's roll. We'll dissect a little bit of that later. Um, go over week zero as well. Um, the few games that were played, um, hodgepodge, and then talk a little golf and end with a sprint as we always do. Um, prayers down uh, for our friends down south. Um, hopefully, it doesn't hit too bad. The hurricane. Um, it's not looking great right now, so hopefully it won't be as bad as they think. Um, so you're in our thoughts. Um, all right, let's get this rolling. Podium, I'll start as always. Florida documentary, Swamp Kings is what it's called, Untold. Uh, it's on Netflix. just came out, I think, last Tuesday. We watched it um, with, through the from, like, last Tuesday until Sunday, um, four episodes. You know, pretty interesting stuff. Um but they, they left they left out a lot of stuff, um, and they also show like how weird Florida was and Urban Meyer was. But it was weird. They they talked about like three guys in wrestling. Didn't talk about Aaron Fernandez at all, which I found very odd because obviously that's a situation in itself that has its own documentary. But I, I find that really odd that they hardly dissected that and then didn't talk about their other players getting arrested, some of the other weird stuff going on. Um, did talk about the cult like kind of. Um, thing that Urban brought for them. I mean, he had no control over his players. Um, it was just a wild story. I mean, it was basically like the University of Michigan South um, with players getting arrested and then getting covered up by the university and the police not doing anything about it um, because of, you know, certain people, attorneys and lawyers and whatnot covering for them because they play football in the South and they bring in money and we love Florida football. It literally just reminded me of Michigan with the Mozzie Smith thing, Harbaugh, all this garbage. Um, and it, it kind of peeved me off. Um, it was interesting. You should definitely watch it. I feel like they missed some stuff, but still definitely worth um, a couple hours of your time to sit down and, and watch that because there's some crazy stuff in there um, and some weird dudes, weird stuff. So um, give it a listen, but just it made me think of Michigan, and that's why I podiumed that this week. All right, my podium. Um, I came across this article today while I was eating lunch. Uh, apparently, Matthew Stafford's wife, Kelly Stafford, has a podcast. I'm, I'm not really sure who listens to those, if that's NFL wives or whatever. But hey, whatever. We got a podcast, and I'm not entirely sure who listens to ours. So, more power to you. But she apparently had a pretty lengthy podcast the other day. Um, and I wouldn't say she was really calling out her husband, but she called attention to the fact that he is really struggling with as young as the Rams roster is on how to communicate with the young people, Gen Z, Gen Y, Gen Z, 
I think whatever millennials, whatever you want to call it, whatever generation you're in, Ryan, I, I don't even know what it's called anymore. Um, and it was just kind of fascinating, actually, because obviously there's pillow talk that goes on. And Matthew's telling his wife about some of the trials and tribulations about how when he was a rookie, you know, people communicated. They didn't go bury their nose in the phone. They had ping pong tournaments in the quote clubhouse. They had pool tournaments. They played cards they you know sat around and shot the shit whatever and then now is like as soon as practice is over people are showered their noses are right into their phones if they're even around they take off and i just thought it was kind of interesting because that's really what i've been saying for a long time is a is our society a microcosm of our society and i think back to she's like you know matthew will say well what am i supposed to do take their phones away yeah i don't care if they're grown adults make some rules like Okay, I get it. They were high school kids, but Ryan probably remembers this. We had a rule with his very, very good 17U AAU team that when we were out together as a team, everybody's phones went in the middle. And we even did it for the parents. And if a parent happened to pick up their phone and it wasn't excused from the table as a potential emergency, that parent was stuck paying the bill. Like, there's a way to do it. There's a way to do it and monetize it and have fun with it. Like, you, you can't expect people to just change their ways when they don't know any better. So, Matthew, that's on you to teach them the right way to communicate. You need communication on the field. You need communication in the locker room. So do it. Like, Kelly's not wrong. It's a problem. I get it. It's difficult. But you know what? Like I say, if you want change, then freaking exact change. That's what you need to do. It's what we need to do with, you know, stuff that boils up about COVID or elections or any of that political garbage climate change garbage, any of that. If you want change, then do something about it. Sitting by, standing by, and doing nothing and waiting for it to take care of itself ain't going to fix the problem, Matt. If you want to have a decent team of the Rams, you better get these guys talking. All right, moving on to... We're moving away from tee-up for football season, as we always do, and we're going to throw the flag. Not related to football this time, but another story I saw today, uh, and kind of has to do with an epidemic in sports, it seems like these days, but fans on the field at the Braves Rockies game last night, um, specifically going at trying to, I don't know. I saw the video. I don't know that I would call it a hug going at Ronald Acuna jr. Um, who, by the way, last night tied career highs with four hits and five RBIs and he hit his 29th home run, stole two bases He's got 61 on the season. He's one home run shy of becoming the first ever 30-60 player in MLB history. And you got knobs running on the field. This kind of goes along with these guys that are blurting out things in the middle of backswings. You know, people streaking courses or streaking fields. There's a reason why they don't show it in a broadcast because while it's funny, it's it encourages the behavior. I'm telling you, you want this stuff to stop, much like you want people to start doing something you have to exact change, you want to get stuff like this to stop and truly protect the safety of the players, you throw the book at these people. You don't just put them in jail for a night and say, I'll dry out, you'll be all right, because now they have a story to tell. They can be TikTok famous. I did this, look at that. Look at me, haha, I'm great, and more clowns will go do it. No, put them in jail for 60, 90 days. I don't care if there's a freaking so-called strain on the jail system. It certainly isn't in Chicago, so send them to Chicago because there's plenty of jail cells available there. Just like, what is wrong with morons that think that you can go, like, nobody can come into my place of business and try to harass me. Why should you be able to go on their place of business and harass them? Pisses me off. Yo, 
us. That's uh, it is an issue. I feel like it's happening more and more. Um, like you said, what's it going to take? A player getting killed? I mean, like, yeah, I don't know. It's... I feel like it'd be probably pretty easy to sneak. Maybe not a gun into a game, but probably like a, a knife or make a shank if you were really nuts and wanted to. Yeah, I mean, I'm surprised no one's done it yet, to be honest with you, with how crazy people are. It's, it's an issue. That's for dang sure. All right, let's get to the nitty-gritty here, four downs. Um, let's go through week zero, kind of talk about those games. I mean, there wasn't a ton, but still, we can touch on it a little bit here real quick and any takeaways you might have or anything like that um, I guess we can start with the two teams that were ranked that played USC um, Caleb Williams pretty good game as normal San Jose State stuck with them um, for a decent amount of that covered um, spread USC, USC did not cover um, they won by 20 I mean still a, a pretty decent ball but they were sticking with them so um, kudos to San Jose State who's been a pretty solid Mountain West team here in the last few years um but that one freshman guy, Zachariah Branch or whatever, went crazy. That's probably a name to watch here um, this season. Um, kind of introduced himself to college football fans. Yeah, one that I saw is, how about this? UMass had its first opening win over an FBS team since 1984. That's insane. Beat New Mexico State, which is part of like what I thought was a slam dunk easy parlay. Well, there's a reason it was a buck to win 30 because it wasn't that easy, and that was one of them. Uh, UMass beating New Mexico State. So, um, yeah, I thought that was like probably the most interesting stat of the week. I mean, Notre Dame easily covered. Uh, you know, Navy is A, not very good, and B, Notre Dame's probably pretty decent, and Notre Dame's got a very good run game, and Notre Dame ran all over Navy, and then, you know, threw the ball pretty well, too. So. Yeah, they did. Hartman's the he's the real deal. That guy's going to be a really good player for this season for Notre Dame, and they haven't had great quarterback play um, as of late. So maybe this is the guy to take them over the top. Who knows? Something um, about Wake Forest transfers, man. What was that? Something about Wake Forest transfers. Yep. Yeah. Seriously, it's a good place, I guess, breeding ground. Jacksonville State first ever game in FBS. They got a win over UTEP. Um, Rich Rod, <laughs> that's hilarious that he's the coach there. Um, what else we have? San Diego State hardly beat Ohio. Both, I mean, Ohio's quarterback got hurt early, so that was kind of a struggle for them. Um, should be a decent team in the MAC, though. Louisiana Tech escaped Florida International. Nothing to write home about that game. Vandy only beat Hawaii by seven. Hawaii covered that. Um, that's pretty good. They, their coach said, yeah, I see that the line is. We'll be able to cover, and people are like, yeah, whatever, dude. You're Hawaii. Um, and they did, so good for them flying all the way to Nashville from Honolulu. Um, covered that. I feel like that's an easier first game on the road. Not that it was obviously a win, but then their typical, you know, going to Michigan or elsewhere right. like they do lately. So, you know, Vandy is, let's face it, not very good. I mean, if they can get six and six, that's like a miracle season for them. So, um, yeah. How did we do on our picks last week? I did terrible. You, you did. I, I went two and five. You went three and four. So well, not much not better. 
No, we didn't. We didn't know much. Yeah, I didn't know much about those teams, so that didn't really help First either. Game, week zero, it's weird. Whatever. I'm gonna let it slide. Um, all right, you want to? run through the ad then we can do first down here yeah we'll go uh to a word from our big 10 segment sponsor because basically second down is kind of going to be a mostly big 10 segment as we go through college football season um our sponsor norris sports group nsg is a boutique agency of experts with 30 plus years experience in sports sponsorship endorsement strategy program assessment contract negotiations event activation and post campaign measurement Learn more by visiting NorrisSportsGroup.com to learn today. All right. Week one, um, you want to go through kind of the Big Ten games and stuff like that, or how do you want to do it? Yeah, let's let's go through Big Ten. And then if there are any other big, I don't, you may have them up in front of you. Ryan's remote, so. A couple decent games, but um, yeah, we can start in the Big Ten. Thursday night is when it begins um, in the Big Ten. Uh, Nebraska at Minnesota. It's a fairly intriguing game, conference game. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what to expect out of Nebraska. Matt Rule, he's, I think he's definitely a step up from Scott Frost. I, I don't think you get much worse than that. Um, you know, Minnesota breaking in a new quarterback. Um, it's a home game for them. They always play on Thursday to start the season, I swear. Um, but, yeah, I don't, I don't really know what to expect from either of these teams. Because I just saw a guy that started at LSU as a five-star tight end, like one of the best tight ends of all time, ranked in 247, and then Georgia did nothing, transferred to Nebraska. He just got arrested for burglary today. Um, oh, nice. So that, uh, that, that's probably not a great thing for Nebraska, having that distraction. Um, but I, I don't know. Um, it's kind of 50-50. Um, but it should be fun. That's a good good Thursday night game for sure. Minnesota's um, a seven-point favorite. <laughs> yep. You know, Nebraska, look, coaches matter to an extent. You know, see Nick Saban, see Kirby Smart, whatever. But I think more, I mean, a little bit in game prep, certainly in recruiting. I'm not saying that Rule's not a good coach and that he's not going to recruit some good guys and he's not going to prep games better than Scott Frost because Scott Frost, frankly, was horrible at it. And he's probably a better game manager than Scott Frost because we've already beaten the dead horse of how bad he was in one-score games. But... At the end of the day, Minnesota, even though they're turning over some guys like Ibrahim and you know a ninth-year starting quarterback and things like that, they've got a pretty solid team coming back. I previewed them, um, you know, nice Big Ten West game to start and and get a leg up on the season. You know, Nebraska was in well, it was a Week Zero game, but they were in one of those early spotlight Big Ten games last year against Northwestern and and choked. I just don't see. Nebraska winning this game. I don't really see them keeping it within a touchdown, to be honest. I don't know if we're picking this straight up or against the spread, but. Yeah, we're straight up in this one. All right. I'm, I'm going to go Minnesota straight up, but I think they'll cover the spread, too. I think. I mean, I don't think it'll be a blowout, but I think, you know, Minnesota by 10, 13 points. Yeah, I, I think I think it'll be fairly close, but yeah, I'm going with the Ghosts as well. I think that they'll get it done um, at home. Um, start off the season 1-0, 1-0 Big Ten play. All right, uh, Friday night, lights, Spartan Stadium, the 100th year, uh, Michigan State versus the Chippewas. Um, Michigan State's a 14-and-a-half-point favorite. Um, have not named a starter at, for quarterback? Have, have not, they will, no, he, 
Tucker won't say anything. Much like, uh, much like the Northwestern game a couple years ago, and we know how that season started and ended, um, which was good. I'm not going to say that Michigan State's going to do that, but, uh, you know, a much ballyhooed transfer running back then, a much ballyhooed transfer running back now, similar work ethic, similar styles, similar whatever, quarterback questions. Then you had Russo, who was the transfer out of Temple, and then you had Thorne, who we were all kind of rooting for. Now you have Kim, who's the season well, seasoned. He's not really seasoned. He has a little bit of game experience, but comparatively, the seasoned veteran right. is Hauser, who is the first highly touted quarterback recruit. Um, it'll it'll be interesting to see who gets the nod. And the question is, is Ryan, is that new um, depth chart, or is that just an injury thing that the Big it, Ten needs to do? Yeah, it's a bit player available. Okay. Okay, so that doesn't impact him making a decision. So. I guess we got to get in the stadium early to find out. Um, yep. I don't know. The 14 and a half, I think on FanDuel, I saw it as maybe even 13 and a half. Like, maybe it was 14 and a half. I, 31, 14, Michigan State. That's a cover. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, I mean, look, Central has beaten Michigan State three times before, and I was there for two of them. Well, no, I guess I was a student for two of them. I was at one of them. So I've been to one of the three. Um, I, don't, uh, I don't think Central's that I mean, they have a quarterback that's mobile, but I think they lost all their good guys to use A, the portal, or B. Yeah, they had a good running back. Did What happened to him? Did he transfer, or he's was gone. he gone? Yeah, okay. he's gone. He was up there the year that Walker, he and Walker were like 1-2 and leading the nation. And I, Yeah, yeah. I, I just, I mean. He's, uh, he's not on, he's in the NFL. I think Michigan State's defense is going to is gonna be decent. I mean, I think the, the secondary is still a little bit of a question mark, but I think we're going to be able to get after the, passer i think we're going to be able to ease in and, and establish a good running game yeah i mean i see this more like uh you said 31 14 I, I mean i see it like a. Uh, I don't know if we can make a field goal yet or not but i'm seeing like 38 to 13 i i really don't think you know it might be close for a quarter and a half but i think uh michigan state pulls away in the end i think both quarterbacks whomever starts definitely get play um, and I think we'll learn a few things, uh, and it's kind of good prep for Richmond next week and then, you know, step right up to Washington. So, yeah, I think Michigan State wins and they cover pretty easily. Yeah, I, I can totally see that. All right, Saturday slate. Um, Michigan, wow, their first really hard game to start the season. Oh, wait, never mind. They're playing East Carolina, who was – Pretty solid last year um, in the AAC, but they lost everybody, um, so they're not going to be as good. Um, Michigan's a 36-point favorite. Um, Harbaugh not coaching. Oh, what are they going to do? Yeah, did we talk about that since our last pod? I mean, you know, Michigan, quote-unquote, falling on the sword and giving him a three-game suspension, which is basically like flipping the middle finger to the NCAA. And look, no arguments that the NCAA is a bunch of morons, but like... You're basically the NCAA didn't accept the four game appeal, um, and they they did agree to push it to next year. Which so some of this may be moot point anyway. Um, but like, so Michigan comes back and goes, "Well, we'll suspend it from three. Like, how cocky and arrogant do you have to be? And and oh by the way, against the school of the deaf and blind, um, you know, Alma College and Lan- East, Lansing Eastern High School. Like, I mean. We've been over this, but ridiculous. And I don't think it has an impact on Michigan's ability to cover because he can coach all week anyway. He can put the game plan in place. Like, whatever. Brady Hoke was, quote-unquote, the head coach, and was he really coaching? I mean, whatever. Right. No, Lip, yeah, Michigan, window Michigan, dressing. Michigan's going to cover this with easy 
damn well their first three games against these inferior opponents, they're going to just run up the score, um, yep. score 60 points, whatever, try to act all Pad some stats, yeah. So I, I think that they win like 49-7 or something like that. I mean, I think it's going to be a pretty easy win for them. You think I'm the same? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to pick a score, but I, I would – I had to on FanDuel to get him in my parlay. I had to, I had to pick spread, and I just don't think East Carolina. I mean, I think Michigan's going to put, put the pedal to the metal, and like you said, they're just going to try to blow teams out early, and set a message and get style points. So I mean, I could see like a forty-nine to seven, forty-nine to three, maybe a forty-nine to ten, but they'll they'll cover. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. All right, uh, I. Iowa versus Utah State. Pretty big spread in this. 25 and a half points. Remember, Iowa Iowa barely no scored 20 points right last now. year. No way Iowa covers 25 points. You know why? They can't score 25 right. points. I don't give a shit if Cade McNamara is their quarterback. They can't. I Until they prove it to me, I will not bet Iowa to cover anything yeah. 20 plus. No I, I would agree with that. Until proven okay. otherwise. Now, I'm not going to say they can't do it, but there's no, no, there's no evidence that at this point yet that they can no I, I'm, I'm going off of what I know and I, I think that McNamara is an upgrade for sure he's a better quarterback but Brian Ferentz if he doesn't score average 25 points and they win 7 games he's gone so they better hope that they cover 25 but I, I just don't see it I don't know anything really about Utah State if they're good or not but um, my guess is no if they're if Vegas is saying Iowa by 25 and a half my guess is no because you know they know they can't score. True. That's true. So Iowa wins probably by like 21, you know, yeah, three Iowa touchdowns, but I don't think they cover. 24-3 or something like that. And I think one, of, at least one of those touchdowns is a defensive touchdown. Always. You can always count on that. All right. Um, Purdue-Fresno State, pretty close spread in this one. Um Fresno State, it's, I, did they? Oh, that was Nevada, I think, beat Purdue a few years ago on like the opening night, mm-hmm. on like last second, sixty yard field goal or something. I, Purdue, I don't really know what to expect out of them. Hudson Card's a pretty good quarterback, but what, what's the rest of their team going to look like? I have no idea. Um, but I, I think being at home, um, Fresno State traveling across to West Lafayette, I, I think Purdue gets the win. I think it'll be, you know. Seven to ten point window, but I think they get the win. Start off the Ryan Walters era one and zero. Yeah, I mean only a four and a half point favorite. I think you know Purdue, as I did their preview, has a pretty decent back end of their defense. Um, you know they got a couple players here there. Card obviously is a good transfer in at quarterback. I think their defense is going to be ahead of their offense, so I think that's probably why Vegas put the spread low. Um, I think Purdue wins, and I think they cover the four and a half, but I don't think they win by double digits. Yeah, I, I can see that. Um, all right, we got Ohio State, Indiana next. Um, Indiana has played Ohio State tough in the past. Um, always give them a good run. Indiana is going to be really bad. I'm sorry, Hoosiers fans. Um, you're going to suck. And I think Ohio, Ohio State just named uh, forward their starter day, said both are going to play. But Ohio State is, is I mean, as superior all across the board against Indiana. Maybe, like, kick returns are the only thing they're better at, Indiana is. So 
I think Ohio State co- this is thirty points spread. I think Ohio State covers it. I I, I don't Indiana's not good. Yeah, I I saw twenty nine and a half for the spread. Um, I mean, even breaking in a new quarterback or two, and you know the old saying: if you got two quarterbacks, you don't have one. But it sounds like they both were pretty competitive, and I think McCord gets the nod. But you know the other guy is going to get a chance. I, I mean, it, you're, like you said, Indiana does historically play Ohio State pretty well. You know, mm-hmm. Hoosier fans are going to be excited for about a half, and then it's going to just blow up on them. And I think Ohio State wins that by thirty plus pretty easily. Yep. Yep. I agree. All right, Wisconsin Buffalo, twenty-eight point favorite for the Packers. I don't know anything about Buffalo. That's that's a pretty good spread there. Um, four touchdowns. I think Wisconsin's going to cover it. I think they come out with something to prove. Um, you know, New offense. offense I, they're going to smoke them. Yeah, I I did not see that spread. That one must not have popped up for some reason for me on FanDuel, which makes sense because I was trying to build an all Big Ten parlay and I couldn't find some of the games. But uh, 28 is, that's a lot for Wisconsin historically. But I'm going to put a little bit, I'm going to drink a little bit of the fickle Kool-Aid and the, you know, the air raid Kool-Aid and with all these hot shot transfer quarterbacks that are in. You know, a loaded receiving core, obviously a loading, loaded run game, a line that's probably got to be better than last year, and a defense that may come along a little bit slower, but will be good. Yeah, I mean, I think Buffalo traditionally has been an okay MAC team. Uh, you know, they've made a couple bowl games in the last five years or so, but I, I, I think Wisconsin's hungry. They want to show out for jump around. I think uh, they, they probably, maybe not by much, but I think they cover that spread. Yeah. All right, next one, a uh, few left. Maryland versus Towson. This one was not on FanDuel, so I made my own spread. I just made 28. I think Maryland's going to cover it. Their offense should be pretty solid. Not Towson's an inferior FCS opponent. Um, so Maryland by 29 or more in my eyes. Yeah, I would agree with that. Tulia will probably go crazy. Um, yeah, I think, I think Maryland, that's not even going to be close. If it is close, that's a problem for Maryland. Yes, no, absolutely. Um, three more here in the Big Ten. Uh, Penn State and West Virginia. You know, in the past you'd say, oh, you know, West Virginia, this is a big game, whatever. It's like West Virginia's been down the last few years, and this year they're, I think they're picked to finish dead last in the Big 12. Um, not going to be very good. Neil Brown's probably the hottest seat in America right now. Penn State at home, 20-and-a-half-point favorite. I, I think they win by three touchdowns. I, they're going to also be out for blood and style points because they want to prove that they're a top-five team and they can get the playoff and all this jazz. So, Well, they don't play anybody else in the non-conference, honestly, and even though West Virginia is not supposed to be very good, it still is a big name. So, you know, I think it's the first NBC night game for the Big Ten. Um, you know, Alara is a really good quarterback. He didn't get a ton of run last year, but he got enough, and he's got a lot of weapons around him. You know, the one-two punch at running back. Um, maybe a little work to do at wide receiver, but I, I don't think three touchdowns is out of the stretch to, you know, to cover for Penn State. So I agree. I think they cover that. All right. Uh, Illinois night game against the Toledo Rockets. Only a nine-point favorite at home for Illinois. Toledo, another sneaky good MAC team yeah, historically. They've been solid. Um, I think that they still have this quarterback's last game. And I'm pretty sure he's pretty good. Jason Candle's a really good coach. They run a fun offense. Um, 
I, I just feel like Illinois, their defense is going to be very, very good. I think they, their offensive line is good enough to get them past, you know, to, to be good, sufficient on offense. New quarterback Luke, Luke Altmeyer from Ole Miss, um, pretty solid player. I, I'm going with Illinois to cover the nine-point spread here. I think they'll be close and they'll score a touchdown or field goal late to, to kind of put it away. Um, and cover that spread, but uh, Toledo, you know, sneaky team to beat Michigan in 2008, which was hilarious. I remember watching that, but you know, they, they, they're a good program, but I think Illinois gets it done. Bielema is a, is a really good coach, as we've talked about in past pods here. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think, um, you know, nine is good respect to, to Toledo, but I think at the end of the day, um, Illinois pulls away, you know, like you said, they probably score a late touchdown. Maybe they get a pick six or something like that. I don't think they win by 20, but I think they win probably by two touchdowns anyway um, and kind of get off to a good start in the 2023 campaign. Yep. All right, last one um, for all you sickos out there. Noon on Sunday on CBS Northwestern versus Rutgers. Oh, welcome to, welcome to Big Ten football, CBS. You know, like, they couldn't have done better than that. Like they probably didn't get a first pick, and they probably wanted West Virginia, Penn State, or even Ohio State, Indiana, or. No, they do have Ohio State, Indiana on, on, on Saturday. Oh, okay, so that's the first one. Okay, so this yeah. is just a different one. All right, well, this is like only people in Evanston and Piscataway are going to watch this game. Yeah, what a boring game. I mean, the battle of the terribles. I think Rutgers is less terrible, and they win. We're just going straight up. I think it's a pretty close. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's like in the. Four, five, six range, I think. Yeah, I mean, Northwestern's going to be horrible. They were horrible last year. They're going to be horrible again. They've got turmoil. And watching that Gator thing showed me now, granted, that was 15 years ago. But, like, if people – do you really think it was any worse at Northwestern for people who watched that untold, you know, the Gator thing than it was at Florida? I don't think so. I just think football coaches are crazy, and I think football programs are crazy, and I think football players are crazy. And the problem is is you just have woke pussies playing football still these days, and if they don't get their way, then they complain um, and or they go in the portal. So, like, I don't know. I think Northwestern's a mess. I think Rutgers is probably going to feel really good about themselves when they thump them pretty good, to be honest. But I don't <laughs> – I don't think either of these teams are going to do much beyond this game. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's see what else do we have. Any other big here. games for the week? Uh, yeah, we've got Utah versus Florida. Oh, little uh, revenge game. Thursday. That's a fun one. Yeah. Uh, Florida traveling to Salt Lake City to Rice Eccles. Um, Utah's a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Um their quarterback, Cam Rising, he tore his ACL in the Rose Bowl. He's a stud. They need him um, if they're going to win. I mean, I, Florida, they're so down bad they're starting Graham Mertz as their quarterback, former Wisconsin quarterback, and we all know he was just complete average, just not good um, at Wisconsin and was kind of forced out of there. Um, so I think Utah's going to win that game. That'll be fun to watch, though. It's, a, it's always a great atmosphere um, out there in Salt Lake. Um, another, I mean, this game, if you go back like three or four years, you're like, dang, this is a really intriguing game. Tennessee, Virginia, they're playing at Nissan Stadium on on Saturday. Tennessee's a freaking 28-point favorite over them. That's hilarious. Um, yeah, like, what kind of UVA, you know, what UVA, UVA obviously, 
And UVA had the tragedy to end last year. They didn't play their last handful of games. You know, how do they come out firing? I mean, if I was betting on that game, I don't know that I would take Tennessee to cover. I know Virginia's been pretty bad, but I think Virginia's going to be pretty fired up to be back on the field. Virginia's quarterback's got a cool name. His name's like Tommy Musket or something like that. Yeah, it goes. Yeah. Um, the Dion era at Colorado kicks off on Saturday against TCU. 20 and a half point dog. I saw something on online earlier. I can't remember who said it. One college football analyst said, no, UMass, like you're saying, oh, UMass has the worst roster in college football. And he's like, no, Colorado has the worst roster in college football. Yeah, they have, you know, Sugar Sanders is a good quarterback. They have two corners that are really good. And Hunter can play both ways. He's a really good referee. They're like, in the trenches, they're just god-awful, and they're not going to be good. Um, and I kind of think that, too. Um, I, I think TCU's going to smoke them. It'll be kind of funny. Um, yeah, Neon Dion ain't coming out and playing wide receiver and defensive back for Colorado. Like, I get it. Good good coaches make a difference, but they make a difference with their recruiting and stuff, like I said. I, I don't – and I know TCU turns over some talent from last year in the national runner-up, but, like, I don't think Colorado's going to be bad this year. Yeah, I don't think they'll be good. Boise State, Washington, that's kind of a fun one. Um, out Husky Stadium, Boise hasn't been as good as of late, but still a good program. Um, could be a fun one. Um, what else? We have North Carolina, South Carolina. That's a, the border battle there. Um, that'll be a fun game. They're playing at Bank of America Stadium um, in Charlotte. North Carolina's had that tragedy um, yesterday. Um, so prayers out to them as well. But uh, this, was, this is a fun game. Shane Beamer is kind of a rising coach, and, you know, Max has been – up and down the block a couple thousand times. Drake May is a hell of a quarterback. South Carolina did well in the portal. Had a surprise year last year. So it's going to be a fun game. I'm looking forward to watching it. Yeah, it will um, be interesting to see what kind of drainage Bank of America Stadium has because that Hurricane Adalia is going to pretty much go right up and dump like six to eight inches of rain through middle and middle South Carolina and North Carolina. So that, yeah. that could that could be that could make it a little interesting. I mean that's no. that's going to be three, four days ahead of the game time, but still, you know, I mean, that's a lot of rain. Yeah, absolutely. Then Sunday night, I think this is definitely the game of the week. LSU, Florida State, um, playing in the Citrus Bowl. Um, Last year, they had that epic game where Florida State, you know, gave up a touchdown last second. LSU got the extra point block from Florida State one by one. Um, That was in the Superdome, and now we're in Orlando. Number eight versus number five. This is this is a pretty big matchup here. I, LSU, the two and a half point favorite. Um, it'll be exciting to watch. I mean, we'll see how Ke- Neon Keon does down there for Florida State. Um, should be interesting. I like Jaden Daniels from LSU. I remember when he torched Michigan State when he was at Arizona State yeah, that one a, time. Yeah, twice um, actually. He did it twice. Once as a true freshman. But I, yeah, I, I think that's clearly probably the best game on the slate of the weekend. Um, and no rooting interest in that game because I really don't like Florida State and I really don't like Brian Kelly. I don't mind LSU overall, but um, it'll just be a fun one to watch. Yeah, for sure. Then Monday night, kind of another fun one. Um, Clemson travels at Duke. Um, Duke was a, kind of a surprise team last year, first year under Mike Elko. Um, Clemson, they have, obviously have hype, they always do, but Duke's got a probably one of the most underrated teams, underrated quarterbacks in America, Riley Leonard. Mom knows his, I think, mom or something like that. 
um, which is hilarious. And he's really good. He's a big NFL prospect, apparently. So, um, yeah, go Blue Devils in that one. Um, that'd be cool if they could beat Clemson. They're a 13-point dog at home. So that'll be fun to watch on Monday night. Those are kind of the most intriguing, I would say. And then speaking of more football, next week we'll talk um, Lions and stuff like that. We can go through some some more stuff. But I've got nothing else on second down. We can move to third here. Hodgepodge. Um, yeah, first let me let me throw in a All the ro- rosters are finalized, so that's interesting. Haven't gotten a chance to look at all of them yet. Um, but uh, – We'll definitely do that tomorrow, um, but we're only nine days away from Lions-Chiefs, which will be um, a fun game to start off the season, see where the Lions are at, so I'm excited for that one. Um, coming up here very shortly. Let me throw in, uh, before we get too much into hodgepodge, a word from our presenting sponsor, Team Anders Realty. They'll help you find the home that best fits your needs and make the process simple and fun along the way. The Anders have served thousands of clients over 30-plus years in the Grand Rapids, Michigan area and are here to serve you today. Learn more at TeamAnders.com. Um, yeah, I, I Ryan was looking through noteworthy NFL cuts. Um, I know you said you haven't looked at it a ton. Let's see, I can give you a, a couple if I can pull it up here. I was looking primarily for like Michigan State guys and... Um, uh, you know, just some other big names that got cut. Uh, obviously, cut down day was today by like four o'clock. I think rosters had to be cut from ninety to fifty three. So we're talking like thirty seven times thirty two teams. So you're talking like nine hundred guys that got cut 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 today. So it's a lot lot to wade through. Um, just kind of you know a couple of bigger names that I can that jump out. Arizona released Colt McCoy. Um, and David Blau was waived, former Lions backup. Michigan State, Kendall Brooks, who was a free agent signing, right? He was waived, um, yeah. as was uh, uh, Jacob Slade, too, by them. Um, you know, just kind of scrolling through this quickly. Falcons, probably the most notable that I've seen there so far is Jalen Mayfield, only because he was a third-round yeah. pick out of He's Michigan a couple years ago. He's from Grand Rapids, yeah, played at West Catholic. Um, Catholic Central. Or Catholic Central, sorry. Uh, I mean, I'm trying to think of, see if I see any other big names that stand out. I'm sure I'm missing a few. And Bradley Roby from the Saints, he's kind of a, he's been a good bet. Um, I saw he got cut. Um, no one, I mean, Craig Reynolds from the Lions got cut. That was very interesting. I don't know why. Um, yeah, interesting because they, unless they're going to pick up another third back, I had kind of read that. You know, with Justin Jefferson was right who retired, you know, kind of abruptly in the, in the preseason. That Reynolds seemed to be kind of a lock, and he was a good locker room guy and a good between the tackles guy, good short yardage guy, you know, as a third third back option. But there's probably there's probably some good backs out there that they're going to be able to maybe look at on the waiver wire or you know that were straight released that they could go after. Um, you know, I'm just going through. I know the. Um, the Bears cut some notable guys. Uh, the one one of the quarterbacks they cut was um, yeah the Panthers guy last year who I think beat the Lions. Did he not? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm looking at the Bears right now. Um, uh, let's see here. Yeah, I saw him, and then I saw somebody else that stood out with me with the Bears. It's hard because you're just like I'm scrolling through this so fast, but. Um, yeah, he's probably the most notable. Uh, I didn't really see 
anybody else like that was shocking that got cut. I did see that um, Jonathan Taylor got put on the pup list. I don't know if he's really hurt. He, no one, they didn't like any of the trades um, that were offered. So, so he's, he's more like psychologically un, uh, unable to perform, not physically un, right. unable to perform yeah, pup list. This crap that they deserve. All. I, and I get it. Like, But it's like, dude, like, go out and prove it then. Like, use this year as like a... I'm going to show everyone that right. I'm the best in the league and I deserve this kind of hey. stuff. Oh, I'm going to sit out. I'm going to be a little baby. It's just ridiculous. And look, hey, credit to the Colts because, like I said, you know, it's put up or shut up. If you want to change something, you, you can't be pushed over. And would he help? Yeah, he's a good running back. Would he help your rookie quarterback? Because assuming they're going to start Richardson as a, as a rookie, uh, yeah, of course a good running back would help. But, like, hey, you need to send a message that you're not just going to hold a gun to our head about because you're unhappy with the money that you're getting or not getting or you think your market's low. Like, fine, go. We'll, we'll find a trade partner. Uh, and I think Indy narrowed it down to, like, five teams that they said that they would, they would you know, kind of allow for it. They're going to get something in return, so good for them. Good for them. And, you know what, like, we talked about this a few weeks ago. Running backs are not the same value in the NFL anymore that they used to be. Like when the Barry Sanders days and the Emmett Smith days and the Walter Payton days, they're just not. Their shelf life isn't very long. And a lot of guys can catch passes and are fast and can break tackles out of the backfield anymore. You know, I mean. Right. Right, yeah. It's crazy um, the way that it's turned out. But, yeah, whatever, dude. I, I thought I saw the Lions kicker from last year got cut by the Titans, maybe. Yeah, Badgley did, yeah. Yeah, and the Lions kicker this year, who they re-signed from Jacksonville, wasn't very good in the preseason, so hopefully... Uh, well, and apparently, I saw some earlier, so the Lions were shopping, looking at kickers for trades. I'm like, what, why? what are you doing? This is a joke. This is a mess. They need Jason Hansen back up, back up at their retirement. Um, I, I don't have really anything else in Hodgepodge. No, I'm just, I was just thumbing through. Let's see. I, I did have a couple of other notes. I, you know, I was going to talk about the Northwestern athlete should watch this, watch Swap Kings. How is what you had different? You know, if you want to win, you got to work. One of the other things that I had was, of course, it can't be a podcast without LeBron in there, but like, I thought it was really funny that the James family spokesperson, so you couldn't be LeBron himself revealed the cause for Bronny was an anatomically and functionally significant congenital heart defect, which can and will be treated. Okay, so a couple things there. Anatomically and functionally significant means that it should have been caught before. So basically, you want to cover for the fact that, because you're in the Biden's pocket, that the, the poke didn't do this to you. And I would be willing to bet my paltry salary for a year that this had everything to do with the poke. Because you don't have a significant congenital and you know heart defect that goes undetected until all of a sudden you have a heart attack at age 18 at a basketball practice. I'm sorry, I don't buy it. These kids like are play more basketball than Ryan did at that age, and Ryan was playing easily 100 games a year. Um, and then, you know, of course, the statement says that he's going to have a full recovery and a return to basketball in the very near future. No way. No, I mean, I'm not going to say that that's not, that's not likely, but this is such a concocted bunch of bullshit 
that I couldn't go past it as much as I hate LeBron because like here's your chance to stand up for something and save other players who are just following what what you're telling them by not telling them the truth when they try to force down the next version of the you know election year version of the COVID and get a vaccine come out and more athletes get it because oh well Bronny had it and he was fine and whatever like you're failing LeBron you're failing the people who follow you. And I think that's gross. It's disgusting. It's negligence on your part. Typical. I just, this came across my uh, bleacher report. I thought you'd think this is funny. Here, one second. I get up. It says, CFB team penalized for hazing. Half of University of San Diego's team will be disciplined after alleged preseason hazing incident. What was the hazing? hazing thing lately? Oh, well, I'm telling you, it's it's crybaby, woke libtards who can't take hard work. Like, I'm sorry, I'm going to call it what it is. Football is a cult. It's a cult by the way the fans are, both NFL and college, by the way. I mean, go hang out at a tailgate at a Bills game or whatever, or a Packers game or a Lions game. Like, it's... It's weirdos, okay? Like, I love football just as much as anybody, but you've got to be a little screw loose to go at people as freakishly big and fast and strong as they are and you are and smash heads, like, with a with a piece of plastic and some padding between you. Like, I, like I'm sorry you got to be nuts. So those who are complaining about hazing... Now, I get it. If you're getting, like, a broom handle shoved up your butt, that's not cool. Like... That's hazing to me, and that's unacceptable. I don't even... That's just gross. That's beyond cult. That's just, like, perverted and weird. But, like, but like, oh, we made them stay up all night, or they had to do wall sits, or they had to do, like, physically taxing things, or they had to run till they puked. Like, so? Like, you know what you signed up for. So, if you're not winning, if you're not playing, get in the transfer portal, like everybody else does. Like, stop whining about it. You know, don't you don't have to go crying to mommy because oh, shut up, shut up. Yeah. All right. I don't have anything else for hotspots. You wanna let's talk golf here. Victor Hovland. Um, he's the hottest man on the planet right now in terms of the golf golf world. Holy cow! Kind of reminded me of uh, Cantlay with his runaway. You know, yeah, when he had about a, a heater. Uh, yeah. How's, how's this for a stat? Season earnings for Victor Hovland, $33,512,235. That's $1,457,000. I'm sorry, $1,457,053 per event, $19,678 per hole, and $5,142 per shot. Wow. That's crazy. Look, he, I mean, he deserved it. Again. You know, whatever. What, what did he start? He was eight. So he was yeah, like 17 or 18, seven, 18 under? 19 under on his own? Like, I mean, it's not like he backed into it. Yeah, Scotty didn't play particularly well, but like Victor played really well in Chicago and he continued it forward. And like, you know, it used to seem like it was rare to win back to back weeks, but Lucas Glover did it. And then, and then Hovland is, yeah, it's impressive. Because some of the things um, that he yeah. couldn't get out of his own way about are the things that he did really well in the last two weeks. Yeah, like he's, his, he's improved his chipping. He just mm-hmm. thought he's gotten better. He can hit the 
snot out of the ball. He hits fairways left and right. I mean, he, he's he's 25 years old. He, that's a guy that can contend in majors for a while and be around for a while. It's just a matter of actually doing it. Um, I think he has that confidence now because he had three really big wins this year. I mean, won the Memorial, won the BMW, won the Tour Championship. Um, so he's got it, and he won a lot of money. Good for him. He dresses like a kindergartner, but... Weird clothes. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a kindergartner with his primary color, big, weird-shaped stripes on his shirt. Like, dude, I get it, you're from Europe, but, like, that's not even fashion. That's like you pulled it off the, you know, discount rack at Walmart. Yeah, kind of weird, but shout-out to Xander Schauble. He also is 19-under in that event. That dude balls out at Eastlake. Oh, yeah, he does. You he wonder what the course well, changes are going to do. Like, are they going to Xander-proof the course? Because he has shredded, shredded the place. Um, over the last few years. And I know that as soon as basically the tournament was done, they were digging that yeah, place up. And, and Yeah, like they did the Memorial a couple of years ago or whatever. So it'll be interesting to see the changes. I really like that course. I would love to play that. A good classic Donald Ross course. Yeah. Um, you see how he's hot. Going into the, the Ryder Cup. And, um, you know, Europe is looking really good. Um, we were originally going to do the pod last night. Didn't end up doing it. We were going to do our Ryder Cup picks and whatnot. But we got the final captain's picks today. So, um, without further ado, if you don't know uh, the roster, um, automatic qualifiers of Scotty Scheffler, Wyndham Clark for the USA, uh, Brian Harmon, Patrick Hanley, Max Holmes, Zander Shoffley. Um, captain's picks were Jordan Spieth, Ricky Fowler, Brooks Kepka, Colin Morikawa, Justin Thomas, and Sam Burns. Um, I, I mean, Spieth, obviously, you know, he's, he has a lot of experience. He's, he's been good in Ryder Cups. Ricky, he's had a good season. Um, hasn't played him for a few years, whatever. Brooks, he definitely deserves it. He had a, he's had a really good season. Um, no issue with that. Same with Morikawa. He's been in great form. He played okay um, this weekend. First two rounds were really good, then he kind of fell off. Um, I don't know, Sam Burns, that, that's an interesting one to me. Um, I wonder I, if that was, I, I don't I don't know. He's a really good friend with Scotty. I wonder yeah. if that had something to do with it. Um, and he's, I don't think he's ever played in the Ryder Cup, so that, that's interesting. Um, JT, um, that was the biggest question mark. He did not have a good season, um, and he finds his way, which I, I don't, I'm not going to argue with it because he's played well in the Ryder Cup in the past. He's experienced. Um, and he was playing a little better toward the end of the season, so I think he's carrying momentum in, um, and he can be a good leader and whatnot. But the funny thing is, Fred Couple said in July on PJ Tour, um, SiriusXM, yeah, Cam Young is going to be on the team. How do you think he feels? <laughs> yeah, well, it wasn't his choice, right? Like, I, I look at this, and and look, uh, you could argue that, yes, Burns, friends with Scheffler, and I'm telling you, there, there is something about not just having the best guys because arguably the U.S. most years, not all the time, most times there's a Ryder Cup, arguably top to bottom, the U.S. probably has a better overall world ranking, but that doesn't always translate to wins. And I think that that camaraderie and guys that can get along like in the, in the pairs matches and things like that, that matters. That's why JT made it. Like he's 6-2 and 1 in his Ryder Cup and he gets along with those guys. Those guys are you know, they like JT even if maybe he doesn't play as much um until they play the singles matches. Like 
if they decide not to do that, like having him around will make a difference. And and honestly, okay, let's look at it. So guys that did not make it. And by the way, I thought this was kind of funny. I watched like the announcement. Um, Zach Johnson referred to Sam, JT, Morikawa, Spieth, and Ricky as Mr. Sam Burns, Mr. Jason Thomas, or Justin Thomas. Did not call Brooks Kepka Mr. I'm going to only presume it's because he plays in the Live Tour, maybe. I just thought that was super interesting. I don't know if anybody else caught that or saw that. Um, I just thought that was kind of interesting, but whatever. I, I And I have no qualms with Kepka because, honestly, I think Kepka wishes he was on the PGA Tour, to be honest, and he's he's a big play guy. So I don't know how much he really adds to the camaraderie per se, but anybody who would argue for DeChambeau or some of these other guys off talent, I'm telling you, like there have been times in the past when Sergio was put on as a captain's pick for the European team just because he knows how to get under the fans' skin when it was on American soil and the U.S. players' skin and win in match play, like and win in those in those two balls and the different matches that they play. Like that's strategic by Zach, I think. Um, and here's the thing, look, the U.S. has won nine of the last 13 Ryder Cups. It might not necessarily feel like that. I mean, they throttled them at Whistling Straits a couple years ago. And they're 27-14-2 against Europe overall. But they haven't won on European soil since 1993. So that, that's, 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 a long, that's a long time, you know. Like, I, so I think... Yeah, you're looking for guys that are hot, and you're looking for guys that are playing well. So let's look at the guys that were left up. Tony Finau, um, Lucas Glover, who who was Lucas Glover was playing great down the season stretch, but that doesn't mean he necessarily would for that. Like, there's no history or longevity. Not not that I dislike these guys. I'm just stating a fact. Cam Young, he's not won yet. Yeah, he's in contention a lot, but like, what does he necessarily add? Yeah, what's he gonna bring? You know, I mean, over yeah, somebody he else. Yeah, one argument could be made is maybe for Keegan Bradley because he's definitely a, a an All American guy. You know, from Baston, like he could have been a good pick. You know, but I I don't know I don't know the relationships. I know Ricky and Jordan and JT are tight. Um, I know Sam and Scotty are tight. Like, and you can't only have so many quiet guys. Like. You said Cantlay is one of them, right? And um, Kepka, like you can, those guys are talented and they're a little bit quiet, so they're a little bit eccentric. But like you got to have guys that fit in. That's when, especially with the you know the the first timers and Wyndham Clark and Brian Harmon, you Mm -hmm. need a guy like JT that's been there, done that. You need a guy like Brooks who's been there, done that, Um, and Ricky who's been there, done that. Yep. Um, Because obviously they, you know, they deserve it. They won major championships, but. They don't know what to expect out of this. They they have no experience. They could win all their matches. They could lose all of them. I mean, you, you don't know. You right. don't know in this situation, especially going over to Europe. Marco Simone is a tough horse. Um, very tight fairways. Um, favors the... I mean, obviously, it's it's going back and forth. The, the course of the U.S. picks favors the U.S. The course of the Euros pick favors the Euros. I mean, it's... Dude, did the European team get announced yet? Like, do we know who's on, no, they on their team? They, they, they will be complete next week after the, I think they have uh, one more DP tournament this oh, weekend. It. I think after that, but I mean, I'm guessing 
I mean, obviously, Rom, Rory, Victor, I think they're for sure. Fitzpatrick, Catton, you know, Straka, I think he could be up there. Justin Rose had a good year. I could definitely see him. Lowry, he's another one of those, you know, JT didn't have a great season per se, but been there, done that. He's a really good player in those situations. Then they kind of, you know, question mark for the last few spots if they take young guys or whatever. Um, so it should be interesting to see what they do. Um, with their squad, I can't remember who's their who's their captain. Is it Luke Donald? I think. I think so. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, so it should be interesting. Um, funny golf betting last week. I picked Hoplin and Shoffley, so I went one two, and you went Scheffler Rom, and you have twenty fourth combined. So we had our our final season tally um, of points combined based off of finish. Uh, my guy, my points were you want less here. Uh, mine was twenty one forty five, and yours was twenty one eighty one. So close. pretty close there. Yeah. Who picked more winners? More winners. Uh, so I picked one, two, three, and you picked one, two. You real both picked three winners. Yeah. Well, it makes sense that we were that close. So. I didn't win any big money on them this year. That's for sure. It's hard to it's hard to pick winners on when you're when you're gambling. But right, right, yeah. You pick so your your winners were Scheffler um, in the WM, um, and then you picked Brooks in the PGA as well. As, as, so did I. And then I picked um, Wyndham Clark to win the Wells Fargo, um, which he did. Um, and then I picked Hovland to win this weekend, obviously. And then before that, you'd pick Rory to win the uh, Scottish Open. So nice. Nope, we'll probably take a little break from golf until a couple weeks from now when the Ryder Cup kicks back up and then we'll sunset golf for football and hoops. Yeah, crazy. Time is flying by. All right, let's uh, finish with a sprint as we always do. Um, All right, number one, is the President's Cup even close to the Ryder Cup? Uh, I don't think so. I just don't think it has the... I mean, it's got the same idea, obviously, but I don't think it has the the fuel or the passion that, you know, Europe against the U.S., um, that it does world against U.S. I don't think so. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, all right, MSU breakout offensive player. Oh, man. Um, I mean, the obvious would be like Carter... Um, but we expect that a little bit. Mosley, to an extent, we expect that a little bit. So I got to go somewhere else. I, I, I'm going to go with this, even though my gut tells me every year we talk about like we're going to have a breakout season from a tight end. But I'm going to go with Carr and say that he's going to have a breakout at least first game because I think that whomever the quarterback pick is or both of them play equally or whatever, he's going to have to be a safety blanket. And he's a stud and he's athletic. And I – the other guys are obvious to me, and he's less obvious. I'm a little hesitant because Michigan State hasn't had a great consistency at tight end since Josiah Price, but we'll see. Yeah, I, uh, I'm going to go. That's a good pick. I'm going to go Montori Foster. I think he's going to be really good this season for Michigan State. All right, next one, breakout defensive player. Oh, man, uh, you know the roster better than I do because you, you did the picks on them. I, I'm going to go... I'm gonna go with that freshman linebacker. Um, yeah, I think I think the more I've been reading, kind of a little bit lately, is people are saying 
we're probably going to be better off at corner than you expect, and there's some decent depth there, and safety is going to be pretty solid. But that linebacker is a little bit more sketchy. I mean, you got Cal Halliday, and you you know you've got you got a couple of guys, but like who else is going to step up and and who can who can be athletic enough to take on tight ends and stuff like that? You know, which could be a weakness for us. So I'm hoping that he's going to be the guy. So I'm going to go with him, which is rare for a freshman. Yeah, I like that pick. Um, I'm going to go with uh, a young guy, redshirt sophomore, Derek Harmon. I think he's he played well last year, and I think he's going to be a stud this year, all Big Ten level um, performer um, for Michigan State. All right, last question. Who has the best French fries? Oh, man. Fast food you talking about or anything? Hey, whatever you want. Whatever you think has the best. Ooh, yeah, man. Arby's as the curly fries that have the seasoning on them. Wendy's when they switched to their fries a few years ago that have a little bit more of the potato skin. Those are good. I think Burger King fries suck. Love the Whopper. Probably my favorite burger to be honest, but their fries are awful. Um, boy. Um, but when they're hot, when they're fresh, and because they're cooked in like a a vat of sugar and fat McDonald's fries are still the best. Yeah, those are always solid. Um, I'm going to go with this place that we went to in Nashville. It's called the Grill Shack. Kyle, Riley, Logan, Preston, Danny, you know what I'm talking about. This place is on the side of the road, basically. Best fries I've ever had. They're unreal. I, I put Hopcat as one of my, as my second favorite. Yeah, formerly known as crack fries, yes. Yeah, no, they're crack fries. All right, that is the TFS of the week. Um, have uh, fun watching the football games this week. Um, let us know your picks for some of the games if you have any. Um, uh, but we appreciate you guys listening. Let us know if you have any questions you want us to hit on in the next few weeks. Um, but, yeah, we appreciate you guys, and uh, thank you for listening. Come on, Mitchell. We've got a, some of your basketball questions stored up for basketball season, but you got to come up with some more. I know you got maybe a Lions question or two that we'll throw at Ryan next week, but throw some questions his way. All right. Meantime, as Keith Jackson, one of the best college football announcers ever, once said, football is not a contact sport, it is said. It is a collision sport. Dancing is a contact sport. <laughs>